Welcome to Honey Roast, a wholesome hope punk podcast where every other week guest stars roast a creator that they love and are inspired by. Together, we're bringing a little more love and hope in the world and introducing listeners to new creators through sweetness and delight. A major thank you to our Indiegogo producers who helped make this show a reality. Robert Anderson, Robert Vandemotter, Alex Hensley, Kyle Decker, Richard Kreutz-Landry, and Ryan Bolter. Really, it's thanks to them that this corner of the industry is as warm and welcoming and supportive as it is. This is Honey Roast. At the risk of sounding sappy and cliche, they're who I aspire to be like, and I'm just so, so glad that I get to have them in my life. They're not at all gatekeepers. In fact, they were the gateway for us into this community. Honestly, I'd describe them as a pillar of the community. So thoughtful, principled, welcoming, and wise. I love them with a great fierceness. I'm Tess, and I'm your host. All right, what can I say about them? They're these two amazing, iconic advocates for art and for artists. I'm roasting Elena Fernandez-Collins, Ellie. I'm roasting Will Williams. Wait, let's play that last part one more time. I'm roasting Will Williams. I'm roasting Elena Fernandez-Collins, Ellie. I bet neither of them saw that coming. Welcome to the Honey Roast mid-season double feature roast, where both guests roasted each other without knowing it. So many folks have kept this a big secret for far too long, and we are so excited to share this episode with you. A special note that since recording the roast, Will and Ellie have come out as being non-binary. Both Ellie and Will use she, her, and they, them pronouns. You'll hear me switching between the two pronoun sets. And now, on to the roast. Ellie, who are you roasting? I'm roasting Will Williams. <laughs> I was just, my brain started playing like a little like cymbal class. <laughs> and then I realized that wasn't happening outside of my head. Um. <laughs> Hi, Will. Hi, Tess. Will, you're here to honey roast somebody. I am. I really am. A very, very special somebody. Very. Are you excited to tell me about this person i really am i've been thinking about it for so long (laughs) (laughs) i am very excited to hear all about it (laughs) so why don't we jump right into the pool without checking to see whether it's hot or cold and you tell me who you're roasting and maybe a little bit about them so the person i am roasting is a huge inspiration to me a colleague of mine Somebody who is very close to my age, but who I really want to be when I grow up. And this person is Elena Fernandez-Collins. Ellie. Why is Ellie such an inspiration to you? Why, why do you want to be her when you grow up? So many reasons. So Ellie, Ellie is a podcast critic, like I am. Um, we actually work together pretty often, whether it's on projects or consulting with each other or just moral support. Um, Because our job is 
not always easy. <laughs> um, but what I love is that she is an incredible writer. She is an amazing researcher. She puts so much love and thought and care into everything she does. And she's this amazing advocate for like true actual diversity in audio for accessibility in audio she really motivates me to be a better person and a better steward of the community constantly i met ellie through will it was one of those knowing the person before the work kind of thing i felt such an immediate connection with their exasperation of cursed images and their love of anything with avocado I'm fairly sure we'd been chatting in the server for only days before I followed them on Twitter and discovered their newsletter, Audio Dramatic, and immediately subscribed. Ellie's articles have so much thought and care put into them, and they give so much life to the shows that they review. When was the first time you encountered Ellie's work? So the first time I encountered Ellie's work is a tricky question. Um, I met Ellie first, actually on Twitter. She, um, at the time, was just posting some reviews of audio fiction on Twitter. Um, We started interacting, and I found out that she was going to PodCon, and I was like, I'm going to be at PodCon. So we talked some more, we met up, and then I saw that the Bellow Collective, where I had written a piece, um, they were looking to bring somebody on for their audio fiction beat, and I immediately reached out to Ellie. And I was like, you, you need to do this. It needs to be you. You are, you are the person for this. Will is one third of the reason that I actually started writing professionally as a journalist, like in like the Bellow Collective at first, because she was telling me, you know, you should do it. You should apply. (laughs) You have good words. And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, no, <laughs> you must. <laughs> it, it must be you. Like, I will be, it, it has to be. It has to be you. So she did. And I was so happy. And the first thing that she wrote for Bellow was indie audio dramas you should be listening to in 2018, which was posted January 11th, 2018 via the Bellow Collective Medium. Um, and if you follow Ellie, it's a great list and it's basically a 101 for audio fiction. But what is wild to me, absolutely wild, is that it is February 13th, 2019, when we're recording this right now. This was published just barely over a year ago, January 11th, 2018. And seeing I mean, this is uh, this is an incredible list, but seeing the amount of work that she has done and how beautiful everything she's done and how much notoriety and respect she is given, you know, as she should be in just over a year is amazing. And I'm so proud of her. <laughs> it's a really beautiful thing that she had such a huge impact on what you're doing today professionally. It was a moment of me realizing that, like, this is who Will is, like, in all of her interactions. She just wants people to succeed and do, like, support them in the thing that she sees them excelling at already, that they might not realize that that's what they're doing. Will's work was introduced to me just over a year ago. I was starting up a new show, and someone retweeted an article they had written at the beginning of 2018, an article titled 10 Things I Wish Every Podcast Would Do. 
I bookmarked it and began referencing their other articles under the category of podcast problems. I hit that follow button on Twitter somewhere in between number one and number two of that first article. Will is one of those people who, once you start following, their work is easy to fall in love with. I fell into several rabbit holes of reading their work for hours, amazed at the sheer volume and beautiful poetic quality of opinion pieces, reviews, and show highlights. So why don't you tell me about the first time you encountered Will's work? So, um, specifically for the sense about, you know, late 2016 and 2017, I spent a lot of time on audio fiction Twitter because I used to listen exclusively to just audio fiction podcasts. And at some point, I started talking about them on Twitter, and at some point, Will started replying to my commentary. And one day in like, uh, like mid-2017, we started joking around about how to submit for an audio fiction meetup for PodCon 2017's like official schedule. And I was saying, is this a thing that someone's already done? Someone must have already done this. And Will was just like, uh, I could do it, but does it work anything like a poetry slam? Which I would later learn is the most Will thing <laughs> to have said in that moment. <laughs> Eventually, like, during this conversation, I got curious as to who it was that I was really talking to um, and who I was joking around with, you know, in that space. And I found that she did review work on her own website, that she reviewed podcasts. And I don't remember which was the first one I read, because all I really remember is just looking at her website and feeling completely stunned by the level and, and depth of her dedication. And then also in that moment, it felt a lot like I was... Like, I felt like I was seen, right? Because I was still new to the whole concept of podcast journalism then. But the things like I wasn't really aware of many places that did podcast reviews of things in a way that I liked. There's a lot of issues with criticism when I was coming, when I've been coming from this liberal college arts background. And again, I listened exclusively to audio fiction. And at that time, she was the only one doing that kind of review that I found. And it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it still is awesome. <laughs> I love how you said that you felt seen when like reading her work. Like it it kind of hit that that note with you that like what you were doing was like valid. That what I wanted to do was valid. How did that if at all, like, change the way you interacted with her online after that? Like, was there any shift in the way that you talked about things or the way that you um, interacted even more? I started interacting more with her um, because I, like, after doing, like, this insane deep dive of her website, um, <laughs> I, I gained this respect for her work and for the way that she is always kind kind but honest um and not just honest like this like word that like oh i'm brutally honest no <laughs> but she she analyzes things deeply much respect for that that i started interacting with her more because i wanted to get to know her and i thought that she was hilarious i can't wait to hear how they met each other for the first time in person so i asked them both the same thing what was it like it was just like oh my god you're will <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so, the first time I met Ellie, 
It was at the volunteer orientation for PodCon 1. I had written a few things on my site. I had written one piece for Bellow Collective. I had written nowhere else. And I knew nobody. I knew I knew James Oliva and uh, from What's the Frequency. And I knew um, Christian Kelly Madeira from the Once and Future Nerd, because I talked to them both online a few times. I knew the two of them. They were the only two people I knew in all of PodCon, <laughs> except for Ellie. And I had never met Ellie, you know, in person. We had talked a few times over Twitter, but it wasn't anything, um, you know, too too expansive. So she said, look out for me at volunteer orientation. I'm going to be wearing a yellow raincoat. And I was like, perfect. So we're standing in this big circle and we're going around and introducing ourselves. And Ellie, I think, came in a little bit late. So she joined the circle and I saw, I saw the yellow raincoat and I was like, that's Ellie. I know that's Ellie. So I kept trying to <laughs> like get her attention, like while the volunteer coordinator was talking, just like looking over at her, you know, and like smiling a little bit, like trying to wave. And she was not looking at me because the volunteer coordinator was talking and giving us directions, but I was just so excited. <laughs> and so, so we're going around the circle and we're getting to introductions and it's Ellie. I think Ellie went before I did and she gave her introduction and then she just goes, hi, Will. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so do you think she was watching you watching her? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Like, or at the very least, seeing my dork-ass silhouette from the corner of her eye, you know, like, waving and, like, smiling and, like, looking all around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is perfect. I was so delighted to meet her at PodCon 2017. It was just like, oh my god, you're Will! <laughs> <laughs> it was just, also, she was shorter than I was expecting, but it's <laughs> <laughs> She has a very big presence online um <laughs> she it was great because we we definitely like planned to meet right we planned to like meet up and we did we wanted to do our like volunteer stuff together right like as we as we could uh so we were like oh we actually both ended up signing up for like registration and so we like hung out together and it was it made registration so great like i got to watch will interact with podcasters that she knew and i remember when uh eric silver <laughs> from join the party came up to registration uh and it was that was our like letters of the alphabet that we had and <laughs> we all just got so excited she was just so happy to see him uh and i think amanda mclaughlin as well in person uh and i didn't know who joined the party was at that time i did after that <laughs> though <laughs> and it's just watching that moment happen that was the first time that i ever saw anyone meeting a, a podcaster in person that they loved and I was just like oh this is why Will does that this is why Will writes those reviews the way that she does this is why Will keeps writing them and keeps improving herself and keeps fighting for like better coverage from other places do you think that that moment of watching her interact with that podcaster changed the way that you understood her as a person? I don't think it changed what I thought about her. I think it amplified it. I think that 
anyone who follows Will for any decent amount of time like knows Will loves podcasts. <laughs> she loves, you know, podcasters like doing their thing and improving and all of this stuff. Um, she's like a huge audio nerd. And I think that just watching that moment sort of amplified how she interacts with the community and why it matters to her so much. It's like, these are not just professional colleagues. They're also like people that she cares about, like in some senses and people who are doing amazing work that, that she loves and that she respects. Like, I just knew, like, I just knew like, oh, this isn't just going to be like someone I know on Twitter who I know at PodCon. Like, this is a friend. I feel it's in my bones. This is a friend. And we hung out for like all of all of registration because we worked those shifts together. And I remember, I remember. <laughs> so <laughs> there were a ton of us at registration. And Ellie and I were like talking to people, but we were also on our phones. And there was this moment where um, <laughs> I'm refreshing and I'm looking at, I think, Twitter. And the news had just dropped. Like, like I refreshed and there was a tweet about Night Vale being, um, getting a TV deal to be adapted for TV. And so, of course, and this was also all in the middle of a conversation about Patreon and a controversy that they had where they changed the way that something worked. It's almost been so long, I don't even know. So, like, Ellie is already leading a discussion basically on industry to all of these volunteers. And then I pipe up. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale just got adapted for TV. And Ellie is like, oh, where? And I was like, Night Vale Twitter. And she's like, great, got it. And so she's on she's on Twitter. And everyone is like, whoa, Night Vale. And she and I just start talking back and forth. Like, yeah, no, it's there, you know, it's Alice isn't dead, and now they have this one, and yes, no, the novels, and yes, yes, yes. And like just back and forth. Like we had already worked together for like years, you know? Like we already had this almost shorthand of conversation with each other in that brain, in that mindset of podcast reporting. Um, we just, it just really immediately clicked in this way that was fantastic. And also, again, at this point, she wasn't even writing on podcasts other than on her Twitter. But that's what kind of journalistic brain she has, is even without that source of writing, she was still on it and she was still analyzing it in the moment immediately, making all of these connections that I wasn't making. It was amazing it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> i love that it's it's like the two of you were just made for each other to <laughs> to be this like amazing partnership and like without formally being partners or anything just like these great working colleagues it's so so cute <laughs> it really feels like it like it it is shocking how much we overlap in so many ways but also like Ellie has a much different taste than I do sometimes in a way that I think is fascinating. She has um, opened my eyes to so many different genres and methods of making podcasts that I wasn't really into before meeting her. And I would like to think <laughs> that I've maybe given a little bit of that back to her, but we're just, I feel like so much of how we are as creators is we're just very complimentary and I think, I mean, at least for me, I think that she she brings out the best in who I am professionally. She has this, like, very, like, championing way about her, doesn't she? <laughs> she absolutely does. Will is this, like, amazing champion, right? Especially since the field of podcast journalism is, quite honestly, not taken very seriously yet, unless you're already backed by a major pop culture 
website or, or publication and Will is absolutely on the forefront of this like indie journalism like movement for podcasting for podcasting to be taken seriously and and respectfully as like an art form as like a form deserving of serious criticism like movies like um, indie films like TV like music and just you can tell from the way that Will writes that she's coming from a creative writing background as well because the way that she writes is magical. I don't know. I just know the word for me to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> she also does poetry. And I think that when she writes reviews about things that she loves, that she really cares about, that she thinks have made an impact, right? They're all... At some point in that review, it's going to get poetic, but not in such a way that it's going to lose the audience. But she has such a way with language that her her championing of this medium comes across as, like, genuine. Yeah, absolutely. My mom is an artist, and she often talks about how she sees colors, and it always amazes me the way that she can pick the perfect colors to make a painting come together. And that's exactly what Will and Ellie do. They're language painters. They see language as art, and they know exactly which word to pick to perfectly describe what you're feeling before you realized that that's what you wanted to feel. That is exactly how I think about Ellie's work. It's, it's so masterfully done. It's so precise without feeling calculated at all. She just... I feel like she... Every work that she writes about, she understands so wholly. Like, she lives in that art. And she's just helping translate it to you, you know? Yeah. So Ellie writes for a few different sites. She has her own website, which is elenafernandezcollins.com. Um, she writes for the Bellow Collective. She writes for Discover Pods. She wrote a PodCon sum up for the podcast host. And I want to just, I think that the best way to explain why I think she's so amazing is to just almost let her writing speak for itself. So a while back, she interviewed Caitlin Prest, um, who was the creator of The Heart, um, for her newer fictionalized work, The Shadows. And one thing that I love that Ellie often does in interviews is she has this back and forth with the creator, as you do. You know, she gives her question and then the creator's response. But then she kind of breaks format a little. And in between some of this back and forth, she injects her experience listening to the work and it's so so beautifully written and so tender and so visceral so i'm gonna read a little bit of a passage from that and this is about again a piece of audio fiction called the shadows she's talking about two characters here charlie and caitlin we hear their thoughts and inner narration layered on top of their interactions with each other and their world and we hear their fantasies accompanied by swelling cinematic music and sometimes their interactions with nothing but each other, bumbling and shy and confused. When they become too wrapped up in their spiraling imaginings, their narration is intruded upon by other voices. 
It's an ebb and flow of inner thoughts and explanations and daydreaming that takes you by the hand and guides you through the story of a relationship that aims for your heart and your mind in equal measure. Like, you you could tell me, like, okay, this is, this is actually a podcast uh, about uh, shoelaces, and I'd be like, I'm listening. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care what it's about. After that description, I am listening to it. It's so, it just really gives you the feeling of the podcast, even if you've never listened to it before. Is there any one piece that made you really realize that this was a person whose work you wanted to watch and this is a person who you were going to be invested in? Hmm. So I feel like I've always known that about Ellie, but... There is a specific article tied to her newsletter, which is audio dramatic. One specific work tied to her newsletter where I knew Ellie was someone to watch. And I knew that she was somebody who was going to matter so much in this space. And I knew that she already did. And I knew that she made me want to be a better person. But the moment where she made something in my life shift in such an important way is she has a piece called genre discussion, what can be counted as magical realism? And this was posted September 12th, 2018. So magical realism um, is a genre. And the way that I thought about it was it is kind of like urban fantasy, but it's that idea of like, it's, it's realistic fiction, except that there are magical elements, but everybody in the work accepts these magical elements as fact, as just normal. And I have always loved that genre, and I'm going to own up to something here that is really embarrassing, but I think it's exactly why Ellie is so important, not just to me, but to the industry. I've always thought about magical realism as just a genre, and I called Greater Boston for a long time magical realism. And then I read this piece by her, which starts out um, with discussions of Greater Boston. And essentially, Ellie was like, listen, magical realism is specifically a genre that is defined by being part of a colonized culture. It is a response to colonization. The embarrassing part of this isn't just that I, you know, was calling Greater Boston magical realism. People make mistakes. The embarrassing part is that initially... I got frustrated and I was like, well, it's just a genre. Like, why can't anybody use that term? And then I started thinking about how is this used in other ways? Like, I get frustrated when, for instance, when people talk about rap, they talk about Eminem or Macklemore, you know? And I really, I I sat down and I, I confronted myself with it. And obviously, you know, she's completely right. Of course, it's a response to colonization. And I, I went out and I read more articles about, about it and I read more sources. And what I love is that she is saying these things that can completely change this part of the industry and how we discuss these things to be more empathetic, to do our research, to look into this culture and this history and not just use terms willy nilly. There's been decades of scholars doing that already. We don't need that. We don't need that in this industry. And I'm so happy and honored to be in her company where I, I can learn from her. I think that's a really incredible thing and a certain amount of power that she has with her words in being able to do something like that. 
Why do you think that Ellie writes with such passion about opening the industry's eyes to things like what the genre means and why diversity is so important? I think, you know, part of it, and I don't want to speak on Ellie's behalf too much, part of it is that, you know, she is from various marginalized identities. She is a a queer Latina, and I think that, you know, I think that's going to come through in her writing. As, As a queer person, I relate to that a lot. I will champion queer stories with my whole heart, but I'm also a white person, you know, so that's one level of discrimination that I, I don't experience. I will say that one thing I think is uh, interesting and troubling and something that I think about all the time is I've written for more publications at this point than Ellie has. And I do often wonder, you know, how how much of that is based on my merit and how much of that is based on out of the two of us, I'm the white one. You know, like I'm I'm the one who's going to be given advantages for bullshit reasons because in my mind Ellie is a substantially better writer than I am and deserves all the credit in the world which is one of the reasons why I try to forward all opportunities to her and I try to talk her up as much as humanly possible and I try to be very uh, critical when thinking about what I'm being offered and what she might not be so I think part of it is that you know when you when you face those different levels of oppression Especially when you see the opportunity to not have that or even have just a little bit less of it in an industry and you have the voice to say something, you're going to say it as loudly as you can. And I think that that comes through so much in her writing. You know, audio fiction and podcasting in general is a baby and it's like a largely anti-capitalist punk rock baby. And we've already seen that it's been more diverse, generally speaking, than a lot of other industries, but we have a lot of work to do. And I love that she she looks at the industry with this, you know, understandable frustration, but with the understanding and the hope that it can be better. We just have to make sure it gets there. And I love that she's helping champion that side of it, that she's not seeing it as just, you know just a flaw but something that we can change something that we can grow from yeah is there any particular like piece or any particular part of her writing that you look forward to every week so i love reading her like her reviews of podcasts which you know they they happen every week i never know which one is coming but it doesn't really matter which one is coming because they're all going to be engaging and honest and uplifting and she never forgets while she's writing like who it is that she's writing about um and that the people that this podcast it's not just audio right there are human beings there that have put time and energy and effort and money into creating a work of art into creating audio work and I think that reading her reviews is probably one of the highlights for me every week because it, even if it's a podcast that I already know about, right, or even if it's a podcast that I'm going to be reviewing in a week, which happens, <laughs> <laughs> we we literally talk to each other like, okay, I'm reviewing this and so are you. Let's schedule this. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, 
I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> so if you see us reviewing the same thing, those things are that separate on purpose. Um, <laughs> but I think that one of the things that, one of the articles that she's written that really highlighted how much she cares for podcasting and for the fact that podcasters are people is her parasocial relationships article. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that got so much attention. And like she put so much work leading up to putting this article out. Like it was it was months of work that she put into it. And I mean, to me when I read it, I was like, oh, she's she's acknowledging this ginormous elephant in the room between creator and fan. And I'm curious, like, what about the article or or what piece like really spoke to you as such an amazing example of her her writing, her talent, her her care about the people in the industry? So the article, it's an enormous article. Um, you're right when you said it took months. Like I, you know, I watched and talked with Will as she did all the research, as she looked for more things to help her, like back up claims or like figure out like analyze something but I think probably the most important part about this article that shows what Will wants for podcasting and this concept of like making sure that we remember that these are human beings who are deserving of our support with the way that we interact with them is that she actually reached out to podcasters to ask them give me your stories if you feel safe enough to do so like tell me about a time that someone overstepped that boundary. Tell me about a time that there was a parasocial relationship that ended up being toxic for you and included those stories in her article and validated them, right? Because you can include someone's story and then just just have the quote and not do anything with it or say the wrong thing about it. But she always, you know, with all these stories, she had these excerpts and you know at the end of it was very honest about the fact that like reading these were were like hurtful it, it hurt it was uh like a learning moment i guess even for her like the that this is wild right these are some wild stories that shouldn't have happened um and that she wants to write these to help people become more aware of the way that they interact with the people that they admire. That power with language doesn't just happen like in writing, right? It happens just when she's making sure to call out things like privilege, right? And how we analyze things. And even when she's acknowledging like her own missteps, which she's done on Twitter before, she uses it to such great effect without without manipulation, which I think is important to note, right? Because people use poetic language often to get other people to like them. And Will doesn't do that. Yeah. And, you know, if someone asked me, like, oh, well, well, she can write these things, but does she really do it? I would just say, well, Will started the podcast Problems Discord. We just broke 250 members on the podcast Problems Discord, which is one of the most open, healthiest funnest places to be yeah. for podcasters and podcast fans, right? This is a place where podcast creators and podcast fans can be in the same space together with the understanding that there are strict lines in place about how you can talk or what 
what the boundaries are right between that relationship and there's an expectation of kindness in the channel and that this is not really a professional networking space it's not this is a space where people to go and relax and meet each other and have fun and yeah there's there's a couple of channels that are you know meant for you know i have i need help with this thing related to my podcast or i have this issue with something in the podcasting industry right or i have a question and this place is really useful in that way because it has those creators that have a lot of experience helping new creators which is an invaluable resource that she's helped foster but she's helped foster it within these boundaries of the article that she that the parasocial relationships article and that is such an enormous amount of work that is so impressive to how well it has been achieved every piece that i've done with her we've done two pieces together um the first was a very formal very long very intense 101 on making a press kit right yes um we spent forever forever on that <laughs> every podcaster should have that bookmarked thank you yes we worked really hard and it is so good it really is like that is that is one of my go-to brag pieces because we killed it so that thing was like i don't know 11 or 14 pages or something <laughs> it's like so long we worked on that google doc forever and it's beautiful we did a great job like that is one of the things that i am proudest of and then our second like formal collaboration together was the opposite <laughs> <laughs> She and I got together on Rabbit, which is a site where you can, like, watch Netflix or some such together, and there's a chat room, and we watched the first two or three or something episodes of the Homecoming adaptation on Amazon, um, the adaptation of the very famous audio fiction, and she and I, you know, were in the chat just talking back and forth with reactions to each other and reactions to the show, and then basically we copied and pasted all of that, put it into a Google Doc, edited kind of some of it, <laughs> put images in, formatted it well, and then put that up as like, here are our reactions to watching the show. And it is such a goofball article. It's us like making jokes back and forth and being like, oh, actually, I hate this. <laughs> and then being like, oh, do I, is this genius? Or do I hate this? Is it both? And it was so much fun. I don't think I've ever had that much fun writing an article. And like, granted, it's like, article is like almost a stretch because <laughs> it was just a conversation, but it was so much fun. And it felt so good to not just break my typical format, but to break it with somebody who I could be that comfortable while also being that, that analytical with, you know, like it was that perfect right. balance of people hanging out. And then also like having my brain so wired into actually discussing what it meant for the industry and what it meant for adaptations and what it meant for podcasts in general. I'm so proud of both of those pieces and I, I couldn't have done them with anybody else but Ellie. That's awesome. For me, Ellie's work is important because they bring a perspective that I could never truly understand. Ellie brings awareness and a focus on marginalized creators and highlights the greater issues of colonialism and appropriation and what it means to create podcasts in an artistic and yet subversive way. 
And Will's work is important because they make me think about the deeper meaning and construct of a show, how it was put together and what had to come together to make it what it is. Will brings the focus of why the work should matter to me, especially in genres or tastes that I wouldn't normally explore. The podcast discovery mechanism is kind of broken and kind of impenetrable. Will's work as a critic and her ethos to do this work in a fair and kind manner is a beacon for listeners. Here is someone you can go to for both excellent and unusual taste, right? For things you may not have heard of before, for dedication to improving and uplifting a medium that so often sprawls into the dark corners of the digital space. Will is a light for everyone, creators and listeners alike. One reason, I think the boringest reason why Ellie's work is important is because podcast has a discovery, a discover, discoverability problem <laughs> and people have a hard time finding the good things because iTunes is bad and podcatchers are bad, you know, like, so like we need people like Ellie who's, who are saying like, yeah, this is important. Listen to it. Yeah, this is good. Listen to it. Yeah, yeah we got that. Um, what I think is much more important to the listener that the listener might not even be aware of is how Ellie can contextualize a work to make you appreciate it on a level that you wouldn't necessarily think to appreciate it on, whether this is for a first listen or giving something another shot. So say for instance, that you read that interview with Caitlin Prest, right? And say that you read it before you have ever listened to The Shadows. And it was written as, you know, um, sort of a promotional interview before The Shadows was released in full, if I remember correctly. So say that you read that because you think, oh, The Shadow sounds interesting. The Shadows is a hard listen. It is a difficult listen. There are a few reasons why. So first, it... So it's by somebody named Caitlin Prest, and the main character's name is Caitlin Prest. So initially, and, and it's very, very natural dialogue, initially you, you might be thinking, oh, is this nonfiction? And then you might be thinking, oh, this is definitely fiction. Then you're probably thinking, oh, this is this is nonfiction. And then you're thinking, oh, people are having sex and I'm listening to it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, I hope this is fiction. But you don't know because it's Caitlin Prest. So really, who, who knows? So Ellie explains, like, this is a fictionalized account. It's semi-autobiographical. Great, we got the facts out of the way. But then she gives the context more sustenance. She doesn't just say it's semi-fictionalized, semi-autobiographical. It was improvised, but it's fictionalized versions of these characters. She also says, here are the reasons why it's done like this. The Shadows wants you to exist within it. It wants you to understand how real these things are in Caitlin's life and in your life. It wants to play with the idea of what's real and what's fake. She, she helps the listener make connections that they wouldn't necessarily make on their own, but she doesn't do it in a way that is uh, pedantic or didactic. She just says these things and she writes them in such a way that's so, it's so familiar. And it's so, again, visceral, that it lives within you. It's not just something that somebody is telling you. It's something that you read and you feel and you understand. And you can look at it and say, ah, yes, 
yes, I understand. This is how I will listen to this work. And because of that, you go in with this more lush and empathetic and accurate and almost like honest appreciation for the work that you're engaging with. And I think that if she wrote these things in any other way, you know, if, if she were less masterful than she is, that could come across as, you know, like I said, uh, didactic almost, her saying, here's how you should read this text. Instead, it just lands as, here is how I read this text. Here is why it is so important to me. And the reader can see this and read this and think, yes, that's important to me too. I ask them, where do you think the other will be in five or even ten years, especially as the podcast industry grows and changes? The guest room of whatever home I own. Please. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you're not thinking like, you know, three months, four I'm months? I'm thinking right now immediately, please. Like right now immediately. Yes. Plane rides from, from Portland, like they're not, it's not that long. <laughs> Ellie, just, just go. Please, Ellie. Go now. Please. Please, Ellie. Please. In 10 years, I can imagine Will is going to be out here and podcasting. She's got this incredible drive and determination that's truly inspiring. It's it's the kind of focus that sweeps me up along with it. Uh, I mean, hopefully in 10 years, Will will also be taking a nap and only working one job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost hard to talk about this because I know some of the irons that she and I both have in the fire that I can't <laughs> talk about right now, which is really difficult. So I'm going to say in five years because... Right now, the podcast industry, there's, like, shakeups all the time. I don't want to think about 10 years. Like, I don't want to think about 10 years existing in the future, like, ever in any way. Um, <laughs> the future is terrifying. It is. But I will say that I think that in five years, Ellie will be doing one of three things. One, Ellie will be writing for a very well-known household name publication. And she'll be writing on podcasts. And she will be considered the expert on podcasts i want her to be the roger ebert of podcasts but like not a white dude <laughs> i i want her to be thought of as not just the foremost like critic and expert like those things are important but like a true scholar and a true shepherd of the industry i want her to be something more than a tastemaker i want her to be seen as really one of the founders of the industry and the community in how much work that she has done. And I, I want her to be in one of these major publications. Or, second option, she is still writing for her site and her newsletter, and they are self-sustaining. And her site and her newsletter become, you know, a household name like that kind of publication. Third, I see her writing for tons of different sources, tons of different publications, and her name is everywhere. I can only I can only project that her, you know, her success is going to keep blossoming, and I hope that one day she is respected on at the very least the same level 
as contributors to Vox and Wired and, you know, the New York Times and Huffington Post. I, I want her to be seen as one of the foremost culture journalists, no matter which vehicle she takes for that. Because I think that her writing is, at the very least, as good as most of those writers. I think that her writing is substantially better. I think that she not only deserves that respect and that, that acclaim, I think that she will get it. Like, we, we've been gushing about her this whole time, but what <laughs> if you could take everything that you could ever think about how much she means to you in one or two sentences? Thinking about how much Will means to me makes me cry. <laughs> That's perfect. Yep. <laughs> I love that. And I want everyone to respect her for her intelligence and her craft and her dedication and also know that she is a complete goofball. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She is. Is there anything else that you want to say about Will? Um, no, that's fine. I think I'm good. I don't want to cry anymore. Aww. I'm sorry you cried, but also it's so good. <laughs> I just love her. I just love her so much, and I'm really proud of her, and I feel very understood by her. And, like, this is all so ridiculous because I'm talking about her, like, as a friend and not as a creator, but, like, but it's also important to say, you know? I just... <laughs> It's just so nice having, like, okay, so podcasting and the industry and whatever is, you know, we have this great community and we have this great culture, but at the, at the end of the day, you are, oh, I'm going to tear up. Oh no, I might start crying. It's okay. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you're at a desk or like I am right now in a closet <laughs> alone, talking into a mic or typing at a computer. And ever since I met Ellie, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like I've always got somebody with me. Oh. That's really sweet. <laughs> You're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so important to have somebody like this in your life who understands what you do and why you do it and what you love and why you love it. And they share that passion and they share that drive. But they also understand you as a person and know exactly how to pick you up and know exactly when to ask for help and know exactly when to help um and I just I don't know where I'd be without her um I don't think I'd be nearly as successful as I am Ellie and Will what more can I say about the two of you that you haven't already said about each other Will's article on parasocial relationships makes me reevaluate every episode of Honey Roast, taking great care not to step across that line and ensuring that it is the work and talent of the individual we celebrate. Will made me my first ever mixtape. No joke, Will is the first ever person to make me a playlist. I was having a rough time, and she not only read tarot cards for me, but she gave me guidance on how to take a breath, look around, take a break. Will made me a playlist called My Sweet Honeybee, and sent it my way with a note that said, Tess, love yourself and go on a walk. Ellie. Ellie has been my rock. She has reassured me when things were unsteady, and she has championed me every step through my journey in podcasting, both as a friend and as a journalist. 
Her writing has made me reevaluate how I interpret works and what it means to truly be a champion of others. Ellie inspires me to be a better and kinder person, to listen, to open my heart and mind, and really hear what others are saying, especially about their own stories. Will is a friend who gives their heart and their love so fiercely, and Ellie is a friend who gives their time and their heart with gentleness. They are both these incredible professionals who give their ideas and opinions with strength, research, and care for the people working hard to bring their art to folks' headphones. Their creativity sings loudly and beautifully in everything they work on. Ellie, Will, please do a sleep, have some water, have a snack, take a break. You can find Ellie's work in podcast journalism at ElenaFernandezCollins.com and follow them on Twitter at Showmark. That's S-H-O-M-A-R-Q. You can find Will's work in journalism at WillWilliams.Reviews and their new podcasts, Scoring Magic and Valence, and their new podcast network at Hughouse.Productions. You can also find them on Twitter at WillW underscore writes. Before we sign off on this episode, there's one last little thing that I want to share. If you and Ellie were in a kitchen together right now, what would the two of you make? Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Now I definitely threw you. Okay. Is (laughs) ask a few caveat questions because they're important. Do we have all of the supplies? It is both of your dream kitchens. It has every single thing you could ever imagine needing. It's got like everything stocked. It's got like the freshest ingredients from wherever you wanted them. This is perfect. Okay. Okay. We are making poke bowls. Okay. Ellie and I both love salmon. We both love poke bowls. Both love everything that goes in there. And what I think would be great about this is not just that we love these things, but only like one thing actually takes time And that's making, like, decent rice, you know? So we would put the tiny, tiny amount of effort that goes into making the rice. And then we would have all of these toppings, this beautiful, fresh fish, all of it so vibrant and colorful. We would, like, make a little sauce. Again, that takes, like, some effort, you know, but, like, not a ton. But the important part of it is putting everything together and having a conversation of what we're putting where and why we're putting things on it and what complements other things and us getting ideas off of each other and us being like, ooh, that looks good. And like, okay, not my style, but I respect this deeply, you know? (laughs) And making the whole thing like fun and goofy and a conversation and just getting to relax. So we have some focus on some cooking, but mostly... It's putting a bunch of things together, being super indulgent, and then having this big bowl of, like, you know, sushi mess and just being really (laughs) stoked about it. (laughs) I love that. That's perfect. (laughs) That's wonderful. Where is Zach in all of this? Um, I don't know. Playing video games. (laughs) See, that's perfect because Zach is not a sushi person, really. Oh, perfect. So, like, I need a sushi friend. (laughs) (laughs) amazing i love it it's perfect (laughs) i'll get him a hot dog (laughs) cheers and sweetness Honey Roast is co-produced by Tess Kokyo and Julia Shafini, edited by Tess Kokyo and Julia Shafini, with sound design by Julia Shafini. 
Special thanks to our creative consultant, Will Williams. Our visual design and art assets are by Mandy Corcoran, and our theme music is composed by Emily E. Mayo. All music from this episode, apart from the theme music, is by Okahil, Astil, and Dan Yan Key, and licensed under a Creative Commons license. Links are in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at HoneyRoastPod. Transcripts for every episode can be found on our website, HoneyRoastPod.com. For even more Honey Roast love, check out our Patreon. By becoming a patron, you get access to bonus episodes, detailed show notes, exclusive merch, and so much more. For more details, go to Patreon.com slash HoneyRoast. If you can't support us financially, another fantastic way to help the show and spread the love is to recommend us to a friend or family member. We can only grow by sharing and caring. There's so many reasons I'm trying to figure out, like, how to organize my thoughts. Because I just want to be like, everything. (laughs) Every single reason. Everything about Ellie. It's so much. So much important to listener. (laughs) Ellie has good words for you listen it. Please. (laughs)